great to see you all. Welcome back after Christmas, which probably seems like a, a distant memory. Happy New Year. Happy Easter, in a, uh, just to get in ahead of uh, uh, what's coming. And uh, welcome back to the first Sunday when we uh, meet after the Christmas break. This is always a bit of a, a, a sort of a slow start Sunday. We sort of ease in to the new year. It also gives us an opportunity uh, to look at some things that might help us through the whole of the year. And so today and next Sunday when Miriam speaks, we're going to be looking at two different thoughts or ideas uh, that we think will help us through the year ahead as a church. And we'll think about that and talk about some of those um, today. So today you have me and then tomorrow, uh, next week uh, is Miriam. To, to understand today's talk, you need to get my great love of science fiction. Yes, I own a sonic screwdriver. I can tell you what a flux capacitor does. I, I know why the TARDIS is bigger on the inside, and I know why Buck Rogers is in the 25th century. Now, before your eyes glaze over, I promise you the talk today is not about science fiction. But there is a, an idea in the genre of, of science fiction writing that kind of helps us with the thing that we're thinking about today. And there's lots of different writing in science fiction, and the, the kind that most captures my interest and imagination is, is when the writer imagines a world that's just like ours, except that one thing has changed. One single thing is changed in a world that otherwise I connect with and understand and identify with. And because one thing has changed, everything has changed because the subtlety of the world is completely different. It might be uh, that you find you have a time machine. That might be the thing that's changed. Or what if you lived in a society where um, your, um, the, the length of your life and the amount of money that you have are the same thing? Everything's the same, but every, that's, that's uh, a difference. Or what about a world where uh, once a year, teenage tributes fight to the death in order to preserve peace? Yes, Hunger Games, it was on TV last night. Uh, Or what about another uh, oldie? What about a world when overnight most of the world wake up to find that they are blind and a few people can see and Triffids walk the earth and eat people? Okay. (laughs) The power of this type of writing is it, it helps us imagine how our lives might be different. And I want tonight to just ask a what if question. What if one thing was different about our church going into this new year? What might come from that? What might unfold from it? A few months ago, I had a dream. In the dream, I had a conversation with somebody actually at G2. Then I had another conversation with another person actually at G2. And then I preached a sermon about the two conversations with me. And then I woke up in the morning and I remembered most of the first conversation and most of the second conversation and most of the sermon. And I wrote notes, which I wrote down. Okay. 
And then when I talked to the team, I said, hey, I've had this dream, and it's like a really weird thing, and I had this thought, and I had to, spoke to the first person, and I spoke to the second person, and then I, in the dream, I preached a sermon about the two conversations, and I've written some notes down, and we decided, let's do that at the beginning of the year. So this has been a really easy talk to write, because I've already heard half of the sermon in the dream. And the talk began with uh, reading Acts 2.17. And if you know the passage, you'll know that... Uh, um, Uh, Peter on the day of Pentecost quotes the prophet Joel and he says this, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will see dreams. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Your young men get visions and old men get dreams. Yes, thank you God for telling me that I am now old. So this year is actually my 50th year. I like, I'm officially feeling old. Yeah, I can, I can nearly count the number of hairs on my head. I wear glasses usually when I need to read and God is giving me dreams to remind me that I'm not a young man that gets visions anymore. I'm an old man that dreams dreams. So back to these conversations. The first conversation I had in this dream was with a person. They said, hey, can I talk to you? I want to talk to you about Sunday. And they had a chat with me about Sunday. And they wanted to tell me how much they valued church and particularly coming to Sunday meetings. And they told me about life is really busy and Being a parent sometimes can be really challenging. Uh, Money can be tight. Uh, There are not always enough hours in the day to get everything to do. Jobs and work uh, don't always fit well with, with Jesus' values. Life is challenging. And I really value, Christian, being able to come to church on Sunday to recharge, to top up, and to realign. And it was a great conversation. They were telling me that they love Sunday because they can have some fellowship and they can come in and they can meet some people and be encouraged by them. And then there's a bit of Bible and they're reminded of the truths that they believe in and some inspiring worship and maybe an encouraging talk and a spiritual boost that gets them enough energy to get through the week. And this was a great conversation. I really, in the dream, I really loved hearing this. And I thought, oh, I'm so glad I've heard that from you. And I'm so glad that's your experience of what you find Sunday is for you. Then in the dream, I had a second conversation with another person who's also at G2. And they wanted to tell me how much they loved church, particularly church on Sunday. And they told me how they'd been growing over the last few years in their faith. They've been reading the Bible and learning to pray, discovering how to feed themselves and encourage themselves and how to give encouragement to other people. And this person said, I love church on Sunday because um, I can come prepared and ready to contribute and to encourage other people. For the second person, church was the peak of the mountain of their week with God. They take care of the spiritual basics during the week. They take care of the warm-up before Sunday. And then Sunday is the launch of their week with God. 
and an opportunity to come and gather in a meeting and be used and to give something that helps others. In this dream, these two conversations were both great conversations, great encouraging conversations. It wasn't that one was bad and one was good. It wasn't that one was right and one was wrong. Life is challenging and Sunday is always something of a recharge. But as I heard these two conversations in this dream, I kind of had this lingering thought, what if? We're all, of course, a mixture of those two conversations. We will identify with different bits of it. But what if we, as a church, in this year that's ahead of us, became increasingly more like a church of that second conversation? What would that look like? What would be the result of that? What would it take to do that? Now, in my experience... On the whole, churches organize for the first conversation. Not universally, but on the whole, I think churches go f- to serve the first conversation. So the, so the culture of church, particularly in the West, I think is, is biased towards that first conversation as a norm. We're sort of, we're sort of tuned to it a little bit. We, we, it's our default or our go-to expectation of church. But what if? What if it was different? What if we changed that this year to see what might be different? What if the first song didn't need to be the warm-up? What if we didn't need a nice breaker or a, a, an, an interesting and amusing start to the meeting because the ice has already been broken? What if we collectively turned up the spiritual temperature to see what starts to boil? What if? What might God do? Are we pressing into everything that God has for us? We live so much in an, entertain, an entertainment culture that we can easily become spectators and consumers of church rather than players and participants in the adventure of church. You're not going to learn how to cook by just going to a restaurant and eating the food. You're not going to be learn how to be a football player just watching from the stand. You're not going to get an education by just standing in a library. There is, there is a stepping in and a stepping out to any walk of life, including church, that is necessary and vital in order to fully experience everything that is available. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, St. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he says this to them. He says, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. He then talks to them about the power of prayer and prophesying and time with God and spiritual gifts. And then he ends that section by saying this, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation, and everything must be done so that the church can be built up. Paul is encouraging this church to move beyond the basics. He's 
He's not criticizing them for being like children, but he's saying, let's not stay here. Apart from to do with evil, and in terms of evil, we should be as innocent as children and as black and white as saying evil is bad, let's not do that. But he wants them to become more sophisticated and advanced in their faith. He wants them to understand the challenges uh, and the changes that will be necessary in order for that to happen. In those middle verses that aren't on the screen, he talks to them about the power of prayer and, and spiritual gifts. The point is, he's saying to them, I want you all to be participating in this engagement with the Holy Spirit that is vital to being a vibrant church. And verse 26 is like the summary. He's saying, and the result of that is, when each of you, when you come to church, each of you will have something to give. That is to say, uh, everyone has prepared for the church meeting, everyone comes ready to go, and everyone is able to contribute, everyone has something that they can give. And it might be a prophecy or a prayer or a song or an encouragement, but the result is that the church is built up. That's the result. That's the result of a company of people being those who are actively seeking God. He gives the example in the middle verses of, he's saying, if you seek God and you're hearing God's voice, and when you come together, a visitor that comes in that doesn't yet know God will be convicted that God is in the midst of your community because it's as if they hear the truth of God proclaimed to them afreshly. It's not that the meeting is convincing, it's just it's, it's God is so evident in this company of people's lives that it draws them to new faith. He puts it like this. The secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really amongst you. Who knows what's at the other end of a church that gives itself to seeking God? What if we did this? So let, let me ask you some questions, and we'll get to discuss some of them as, a go, as we go. How is your focus on this? Where are you on this? Consumer, contributor, spectator, player or participant. Let's give ourselves a little bit of a quiz. I've got some questions for you to think through. So first question is this. Did you prepare for this meeting today. Now, I'll try and not look smug, because obviously I'm, I was preaching, so obviously I've prepared. So I'm feeling like, yes, thank the Lord, I can say that I prepared for this meeting. But I'm not always speaking. Do we prepare for this meeting? Do we prepare before we come, or do we just come? Obviously, if you're leading children's work or worship, or you're doing the talk, you will have done your prep. But is that our culture, that just those people have to do the prep? And the rest of us turn up to be entertained, to hear what they have to present to us. Is it in our norm that we invest during the week in the spiritual things that will result in this gathering being everything that it could be? Do we just leave the planning to the people that are leaders? Or do we understand that there's a prophetic element to it? We can all be involved in hearing what God wants to say. One of the most encouraging things for me is when somebody 
um, maybe ask during the week, um, can you tell me what passage we're looking at on Sunday? Can you say what, what theme we're thinking through? Because it's someone who just wants to get ahead of the game. Or someone who maybe comes up during the meeting and says, um, I've been praying for this meeting and dot, dot, dot. They've, they've come ready to give something, positioned to be able to contribute actively into the meeting. Okay, another question. Did you bring something to this meeting today? Chocolate would be nice. But the Bible says you can bring a song, you could bring a word, you could bring a prayer, you could bring an encouragement. There are so many things we could each come ready to give. Um, I've got a friend I'm studying with uh, who leads a church in Africa, and he said when he was a boy growing up, his father said to him that he should never go to church without something to give. Never to go to church without something to give. And they weren't rich at all. They were the opposite. Sometimes they were giving out of their poverty. They might take some food to share. They might take a gift for something. His father said to him, if you've nothing else to give, write down some Bible verses on pieces of paper and keep them in your pocket and give them to other people to encourage them. We can all come able to give to others in the meeting. It might be we bring something physical, or it may be just that we come with an expectation and an attitude that I am going to give to that gathering. I'm going to be a net contributor into that meeting. Next question. Did you warm up before you came? If we agreed to go and play football at a certain time, and you'd done it more than once, we'd all know that you warm up before the game starts. We just know that's the normal thing to do. Did you do that today, or did we leave it to Holly to warm us all up? Okay, first song or second song. That's the warm-up song. We'll just warm people up, and then, and then we'll get to where we're going. We only, we only have an hour and a bit together. Now, I'm up for three-hour meetings. Honestly, I am. But you know what? <laughs> Maybe we need to invest so that we're ready to go from the first song. Did you come ready? Um, Next question. Before the meeting, did you just chat to friends or did you also chat to people that you don't know yet? It might be both, but here's the thing. It's so easy to focus just on me and my friends. That's the norm that I think we all most of us, quickly gravitate to. Let me tell you a story. Uh, Last year, um, somebody emailed me during the week and said they'd like to come to church. And it was obvious from their email um, they weren't yet a Christian. They'd heard about G2, however, and wanted to come along. So I said, brilliant, sent them the details. I said, I'll look out for you. Uh, I'd love to say hi. And um, whatever happened, but I didn't see them or remember to see them. I didn't either meet them or notice them. So I, I, I thought, it doesn't matter. I'll email them on uh, Monday to see if they came. So I dropped them an email on Monday to say, hi, did you make it to church? I'm really sorry if you were there. I missed you. And the person replied back and said, they did come. They didn't see me. And no one else spoke to them. And they don't want to come again. And I thought, for a church that we are so naturally friendly with each other, that's awful that we so easily 
excluded somebody, and me most of all, because I knew that person was coming and I could have spoken to them. When we walk through that door, do we come with a spectator or consumer mindset? Where are my friends? Where's my favorite biscuits? What? No donuts? This is awful. Where's the complaint form? What's going wrong with this church? What are these idiots doing? It's so easy to come in as a consumer. You know, we go to the theater, you go to the cinema, you go to a football match, you pay your money and you expect it to be done well for you. But church is different. Church is something that we participate in. Okay, next question. After church, do you instinctively review what others did or what you did? What tape plays in your head after you leave and walk through the doors and go and have a drink or go home? Do you think through, gosh, Christian really should work on those jokes. He really needs to get some new material. Or do you say, I really want to get better at welcoming. How could I do that better next week? What's what's the go-to thought in your head? Is it a critique of what was done for you? Or is it an assessment of how you engaged with the opportunity of coming to church? Last question. Do you follow up after Sunday? Does Sunday end when you leave that door? Is the show over when you leave? And we leave Annabelle and Sarah to, you know, text everyone and say thank you and send some encouraging cards and maybe pop around to see us all during the week to check we loved Sunday. Do we go, right, show's over, they'll, they'll do it all. Or, do, or, or did Sunday launch us into something together? So we all follow up. We all remember the person that sat next to us or the person we prayed for or something that we noticed or an opportunity that was obvious. Is it... Do we own the gathering or do we leave the gathering and move on? What if? There's absolutely no um, criticism in this talk today. Uh, For me, it's all encouragement. I want us to think, what could this year be like? What could it be like if at the beginning of this year we imagine that we're going to behave differently in terms of how we lead in to the year. Now, I get there are challenges. I get there are times when you've had the worst day ever, and you do need to walk in that door, and you need to net receive. You need to be encouraged by everyone, help by everyone. You need somebody to pray for you. You haven't got any energy to pray for someone else. You need to be receiving the encouraging verses of Scripture on bits of paper and the extra donut and whatever. It, you know, I, I get there are days like that. Um, in the 345 service, you know, some of the parents are coming in with 17 preschool children and they, they probably just like deserve a medal just for arriving. Like, well done, you actually got here. You're already a hero. Like, nothing else is required of you because you actually got here. So I get that we all have challenging times. There are all times when we need. But is our heart, is our thinking about church to come ready and to be ready to give to others. What if in increasing measure we gave ourselves to this this year, to coming ready, to coming as far as possible, already charged up ourselves, ready to give to others and to people who are new, with that attitude that we all co-lead this service before God, 
more open to the work of the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do and say, and pressing into everything that God has for us as a church. What if?